Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. And on Twitch.tv, you can see the lovely and talented Anya Zova. She's here because tonight in town at the Punchline, she has a show at uh, 8 o'clock. And uh, Anya, first of all, welcome. And the thing that I love about comedy is that every ethnicity and gender and rich and poor, it doesn't matter. There's just something about if you're funny we will find you. So how did you, was it I need to get on stage or were people saying you need to get on stage? Hi, Rick. First of all, thank you for having me. My first time on radio, it feel amazing. Great. Thank you for welcoming and mm -hmm. making me feel at home. Um, no, actually, I wanted to be on stage, but I'm not a funny person in life. You know, sometimes you meet somebody and they're like quirky and they throw jokes here and there. I'm usually like very still and I have like my Russian resting beach face on <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> um but I've been doing acting for a while and performing in sports. And my astrologist told me that according to my stars, the way they aligned, I need to do comedy on stage. And I face my fear. I always fear the mic and the spotlight. Mm -hmm. I love attention. But for some reason, mic and the spotlight uh, was freaking me out. So I face my fear and I fall in love with it. Right. We'll get into your martial arts. Very accomplished uh, kickboxer uh, as well as other disciplines. But... Being born in the Soviet Union, how old were you when the Berlin Wall came down and we started seeing the communism crumble? Uh, well, I was born in the year when USSR fell apart, so mm -hmm. I don't rem I I don't have any memories of it. Mm -hmm. uh, my childhood it was already Russia, so I was born in 1990. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I remember the tough years when people actually trying to survive and figure out life. So I was raised in chaos, um, but at the same time, I'm very grateful for that chaos because. 
because it gave me stamina for life. And, mm -hmm. you know, when things go wrong, you kind of know that everything's going to be okay at the end. Mm -hmm. And your mother from Ukraine? Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I'm very suspicious of your knowledge of Russian <laughs> language. <laughs> okay, I work for the CIA. I just want to just get that out there. Right yes. Now, and that office looks like CIA, <laughs> the radio office. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has a bunch of... <laughs> guys, once you walk in, there's like a six or ten like screens and it, it looks like, where is everybody? I know. Yeah. You're being scrutinized. So, um, Russian father, Ukrainian mother, and this is why your tour is called Make Laughs, Not War. Correct. And I think that's something, too, that um, in, in today's world, you think we would be smarter, but we're not. It, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm from Russia. And it's like, get out of Ukraine. And it's like, I'm not the one over there right now. I mean, it's just some people are just way too uh, sheltered, I think. Uh, correct. And it's also, I feel like it's, I just have to do something when it started. And most of our families are mixed up. Like if you look at Russian families, I would say majority of us has Ukrainians and Russians and Kazakhstanian. And like, it's like we all mixed up. And mm -hmm. it's just, I'm surprised that we in 2022 and it still happened. Like after pandemic, you would think like, okay, we kind of already passed the war and violence, but apparently we didn't. Uh, there is a lot of people with ego and a lot of people want to dominate the world. And mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, it's funny, as an American, I just, it's it sort of like it would be like all of New England invading Connecticut. It's like, <laughs> I, I thought you guys were all culturally, you know, I mean, I've known Ukrainians, especially the ones that were west of the Carpathians that spoke Ukrainian mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they, and I knew one woman, her father was sent to Gulag, you know, mm -hmm. so she didn't like Russia, you know, yeah. and things like that. Um, but uh, for the, the, the cultural differences for that, not a ton of comedians have come out of there, which is fascinating to me that you were, were you always hilarious or did it come to you later? Uh, I believe it came to me later. Mm -hmm. I always like make fun of my father. If you look at my relationship with him, it's always like we laugh at tone. I make fun of him. He makes fun of me. And it's very sarcastic. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's like could be offensive, but it's not. It's like very hardcore humor. Mm -hmm. So it's always stayed in my family. But it, like humor on stage came to me later. I never tried to do human in Russian. Like I, I don't, I can, I don't think I can do stand up in Russian. I'm sure I could if I try, but it just, mm -hmm. I like to do it in English. So it came mm -hmm. to me later once I already moved to the states and was living here for a little bit. Then it came to me. So you came uh, to America as a kickboxer, getting into WWE and your fame rising. How did that all get off the ground? Uh, well, I came here to, my idea was to continue to do kickboxing or to switch to boxing or MMA because female boxing became Olympic sport. And it kind of was always a dream of mine because kickboxing, it still might make it to Olympic Games, but it, it's not yet. Mm -hmm. So once boxing became Olympic female boxing, I'm like, oh, this is my chance. And then I was also thinking about MMA mostly for the money because you can make more money in MMA versus female even Olympic Sure. Boxing. So, but then I got recruited by WWE, and to be honest, like I knew a little bit of it. I obviously knew who's a Rockus or Ric Flair, but I wasn't a big fan. But I knew what it is, and once they invited me for Trey out, I just fell in love with that. I was like, wow, this is so hard. It's harder than kickboxing because, yes, it's choreographed, but all the moves are real. It's so hard on your body, and it's much more than just winning. It's about collaboration, and you work with your partner, and there's a referee, and there's an audience, so it's much more complex. So after my tray out, I was like, I hope they sign me because I love it. Um, and then, yeah, and then I fell out with acting because they teach you acting, they teach you mm -hmm. stage presence, and right. all the aspects of it. So those aspects of being a ham, a showwoman, 
all those things that go into it. It's not just being a, a athletic. Did that come naturally to you? I I don't I think so. You I said mean, you like attention. I do. I do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know we all who in the entertainment business. Uh, I do, and uh, I felt like it was fun. I never had any challenges like being on stage or performing. No stage fright. No, I had stage fright of a mic. For some reason, mic freaked me out. Like anytime if they would give me a mic on, on in the ring and you have to like yell at your opponent, mm -hmm. that was hard for me because in Russia, like you would never yell at your opponent like for boxing. Like if you compete, you always show respect for your opponent. You never yell at them and you never challenge them <laughs> verbally. So that for me was challenging. Right. And that I must break you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I will eat uh, you alive. Uh, right now. Um. And I can we talk about that uh, uh, Bogomazova? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, uh, born Anna Bogomazova, mm -hmm. and who was the person who said that's too long? <laughs> How do you know that there is actually a person who said? There had to be somebody like you. Either have to be Bogo or you have to be <laughs> Zova, right? Uh, very good question and very right on point. Um, I started working with Barry Katz. He's a legendary producer uh, manager. He developed basically well he found dave Chappelle and a bunch of other people you can google him and i started working with him and he's like i hate to say it but your last name is very long um if i would represent arnold schwarzenegger at some point of his life i would tell him also to shorten it mm -hmm. so it's up to you if you want to keep it or you want to shorten it and i was brainstorming with my friend and i'm like she offered zova i'm like i like it it's short it's right on point because mm -hmm. anya anna and anya it's the same name in russian so sure. i always been anya so i didn't have mm -hmm. to change it I mean, legally, I'm Anna, but on, all my friends called me Anya all my life. So mm -hmm. I just shortened it, and that's how it came together. Yeah, for me, I was Rick Titilopoulos, and they said... Is just, it Greek? Just, no, I'm just kidding. That, that is <laughs> Greek, though. <laughs> no, very well. Um, so the just real quick before we go to the break, we'll come back for another segment. What is the worst damage that you have inflicted on someone in the ring? And then, conversely, the worst that you've been hurt in the ring? Uh, the worst, I would guess... I did damage somebody. Oh, I broke somebody's nose, but it was actually an accident mm. in, during the training um, mm. in the ring. It was a sparring, not even competition. I'm sure it was a couple of concussions too. But me, like I've been damaged. In kickboxing, I was lucky enough. Like I had a very good coach who teach me how to protect myself very well. So I had maybe one or two concussion. But the most serious injury happened in WWE. I broke my arm. I had two surgeries. Oof. I had a blade in my arms. They removed the blade. Um, but yeah, it's all life. That so, happened... Live in front of the crowd? It was in a training. Oh, in training. Oh, well, life will be brutal. <laughs> <laughs> was it, uh, I mean, was it compound? Was it sticking out of the skin? or was it... it almost, it was like broken into uh, places. It was gross. It didn't, it didn't stick out. Things got, I would faint. Was it just, did someone grab you the wrong way or did they slam you? Or? No, actually I did it kind of to myself or to the rings. There's a move uh, when you, so there's four corners and you run to one of the corners, you grab the bottom ropes and you jump and you pull your legs over the ring oh my god so it looks very beautiful because i'm tall it looks cool so i love that move and one day i did this move and i never fall before and one rope were loose so usually they, they fix the ropes before the training but that they mm. i guess i didn't check so mm. yeah but i'm like i'm alive because i could have just fallen my head but somehow my body managed to jump back on my feet even with a broken arm so i don't know how my body honestly managed it i wow. feel very grateful and lucky that Everything is fine. Well, I always like it when someone goes into the ropes and they become a prisoner of inertia. <laughs> they just keep going back and yeah. forth <laughs> and back and forth. 
You ever try that move just for fun? Always, yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite moves. Yeah. But the turnbuckles, that's like hitting cement, right? It's hard on your body. Once yeah. you hit, it's, you think it stops hurting, but it hurts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, in studio, if you'd like to uh, call up uh, around the country, 1-800-878-PLAY. We'll have another uh, segment with Anya Zova touring with Make Laughs, Not War. And if you're in town here in San Francisco, it's the big club down on Columbus Street, Cobb's Comedy Club. Uh, she'll be there at uh, 8 o'clock tonight. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come on back. One more segment with Anya Bogomazova. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio Network. We're here with the lovely and talented Anya Zolva touring with the Make Laughs Not War comedy tour. Cobb's Comedy Club tonight here in San Francisco. It'll start at 8 p.m., uh, Anya, thanks for spending another segment with us. And I know at one point you were thinking about uh, tennis. And I had on the show Anya Kornikova <gasps> at one point many years ago. Wow. She was delightful. She was a very, very nice person. I'm thinking about your height. Were you thinking about being the next Maria Sharapova and like going to Boletary in Florida and sort of dedicating your life to that? Uh, actually, did, not me. My mom thought of it. And when I was 11, first of all, that's super cool that Anna was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was 11, my mom, after, I was doing gymnastics for way too long since I was like five until 11, but I was too tall and the coach told them that, hey, she's not going to make it. Like her genetics are just not, not for gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And my mom brought me to tennis and the coach got very excited. She's like, oh my gosh, she's tall, she's athletic, but it was kind of already too late. You need to start playing tennis earlier. Like wow. 11 is, was too late. That was too late at 11? Yeah, you have to start while like you're five or six. Wow. I think seven is the latest. And but for some reason I was so lazy. The fact that I have to run to reach the ball made me I don't know what. And I, I'm pretty quick mm. runner, but for some reason the fact that I have to chase the ball, mm. I'm like between you and me. I love tennis. I have a lot of respect. I think it's a very hard sport. But I felt like a dog chasing the, the ball, <laughs> <laughs> and I was very very lazy. And at some point my coach gave up on me. I gave up on myself, and uh, yeah, it didn't happen. Interesting take. And then what about being a lawyer? Well, that was, um, in Russia, you kind of, first of all, we all have like master degrees, like it's a must. In Russia, education is a must and it's mostly free. 
And yes, I I have the sense in me like for justice, if something is unfair, I always feel like sensitive about it. And I try to help people. And I thought that law school might be a good idea. And it was. It was fun. It was hard to be in a national team at the same time in school. I was always studying hard. I missed most of my classes, but I always had my books with me. So I was catching up with classes. And sometimes teachers in school never saw my face. They just saw my face first time on the exam. And they're like, mm. who are you? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I was at the competition. I was on the road. I just got back. And uh, mm-hmm. But at some reason, I've, it gave me understanding of the how the system works, how the government works, and... I even worked in a court for one month after I graduated, and I saw how unfair it is and how corrupted the system is. And I'm like, I can't. I'm too sensitive. I, and then I moved to the States after mm. that. I'm like, I just... Right. <clears throat> I have a friend. She was um, went to medical school in the Ukraine, and her first day uh, as a doctor, she was hired as a hospital, and she was very excited. She was going to, you know, her mm-hmm. dream to be a doctor, and she went to the hospital, and in the morning, like, all the doctors and all the nurses would open a drawer and have vodka. Mm-hmm. And they would offer her, and she would say, we're at work. We can't get drunk. And then they said, you're going to tell the boss that we're drinking. She says, I'm not going to tell, but I'm not going to drink. And they they made her life so hard that she quit after a week. Wow. So uh, did you see a lot of vodka? Well, in court, people do drink. Actually, um, it's always it's normal for a judge to receive gifts and uh, Mm -hmm. vodka and cognac, and it's always gifts and gifts. uh, So, uh, Mm -hmm. but they didn't don't drink before the uh, hearing, but after every evening. Oh yeah, it's like well, that's okay after yeah after. But we had one prosecutor. He would come up to every hearing. Prosecutor, he's a government of work, drunk, Mm. and the judge was kind of his friend, so she was covering up for him, Mm. and it made me so mad. I'm like, how you can have a a prosecutor it's a criminal case drunk he couldn't even talk like he was like he was mumbling things uh mm-hmm. he got fired eventually mm-hmm. uh, his name was vasily Petrov. <laughs> i'm very no. suspicious of you because this is something going on here <laughs> no, so yeah it, it, it people drink in russia but you thought about when when did you sort of switch away from that just the corruption made you sick uh, it made me think i always knew it's corrupted but it's one thing you know about it and another thing when you work in the mm. system and like it, you know when you're young and ambitious i'm like i feel like oh i can change the system i can i can change i can make a change I can make a difference but once you're inside the system you understand that you're like a tiny tiny mm. germ and there is nothing you can do so <laughs> tiny germ <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah and then acting you know you were on brooklyn 99 you were on the um the new macgyver mm-hmm. how's that gone how did that all start it's, well, I some growing up, like I was modeling a little bit, so I always wanted to be on stage somehow. I wanted to be mm-hmm. uh, acting, in, but in Russia, it's harder. Like uh, to be an actor, you have to get the master degree in, in the theater. So it's so it mm-hmm. will be a completely different lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm. So, but once I moved to the states, I realized that here, oh, you just can audition or get like a little bit of training. <laughs> and that's it. You don't have to spend six years in school. Or you can go on TikTok and they just hand it to you. Nowadays, yes, that's it. Um, you become funny on TikTok. Uh-huh. Exactly. And after WWE, I have fallen in love with acting. We had an amazing acting coach, um, Dusty Rhodes, wrestler. He was our acting coach, and I loved him. And he was inappropriate in many ways, the way he spoke, but I loved his how sincere he is. Mm-hmm. And after WWE, I continued doing acting, and my agent got me Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I auditioned for it. It was funny. I was playing Russian girl Anna, and it was like so easy, you know. <laughs> uh, How could you research that role? <laughs> yeah, and I got on the. I remember director and producer came up to me on set. He's like, "Are you Anna?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "This is perfect." <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't even need to play anything. I'm like, "Yep." Yeah. 
Oh, it is. And my guy was fun too. Mm-hmm. Both like TV series, it's like literally like a family. They've been working together for a couple of years. Uh-huh. Well, Brooklyn and I was eight years. So it's wow. like a family environment. Yeah. Um, and your agent, are you getting more calls, more work? Well, it. I booked those roles right before pandemic. And mm. I thought, that's it. I'm going to be working now every single day. <laughs> I made my mark. Big star. <laughs> Big star. And then pandemic hit. I'm like, oops, it's not happening. Right. Um, I mean, I audition a lot, but stand up now took over my life, I would say 99%. Um, I still audition, obviously. But yeah, you have to delegate the time and see where I fit in. Well, of all these, like, many lives that you have lived it's fascinating i think and no offense to kickboxing and taekwondo i think the hardest thing to do is to be a successful stand-up comedian and you think make a bunch of strangers who don't know you laugh and that can be terrifying for a lot of people most people don't make it so what was that progression like for you did you start off in teeny little clubs and then i mean now you're headlining cobs in san francisco it's very impressive Thank you. I agree with you. I didn't realize it until I started that it's so hard. You know, I said, oh, what was it? Just make a couple of jokes. It's easy. I started doing what every comedian does, a bunch of open mics at the loud bar mm-hmm. so people don't even listen to you. They didn't even know there's a comedy going on there. Right. And you get up two, seven times, sometimes seven times a night, a different, like you hustle. It's the work. You become your own manager, your, your own mental coach, a writer. You have to create yourself basically on stage from scratch and yes you sometimes bomb but once you take the audience as your like writing partners like they're there for you like interesting if, yeah like you have to understand if they laugh it means you did good job or if they don't laugh okay there's something to work on um but yeah you have to get up as many times as you can open mics bars and then once you create like material you have to have material right mm-hmm. so first you have three minutes and five and 15 yeah. and now you got to have what 45 to an hour now no right? i have only 40 minutes this okay. uh, yeah with crowd work maybe 45 but okay. yeah i can do clean 40 okay how's your crowd work it it depends. <laughs> no, I love crowd work. No one's gonna Will Smith you. You kick him right in the face. Exactly. I'm like, oh, I wish it would kind of happen to me. <laughs> um, I love crowd work, and I feel like interaction with the audience is very important. But there's also balance. You don't want to make them feel like they can talk to you at any time of the of your show. Right. So it's like a balance. You can ask a few questions, but not, okay, this is my time again. So, but I love crowd work. It's mm-hmm. fun. So, how long would it take you to get those forty minutes? It would take like a full year. Oh, more. It took for me almost four years. Wow. Yeah. It takes a long time. Well, and the other thing is, too, is that, you know, until, geez, recently, and still some people say, oh, women aren't funny. The rise of the female comedian in the last 10 years has been so great. And I've had so many female comedians come through here who have risen to bigger things now. Uh, Like they sell, like Eliza Schlesinger and Nikki Mm -hmm. Glaser, Rachel Feinstein. They've all risen up. Jessamay Peluso. They're all doing really, really well now. Um so you had that against you if someone thought that. And then, of course, being foreigner as well. I mean, you really take on all comers, don't you? Nothing intimidates you. <laughs> but we still get intimidated. I feel like if you don't get a little bit nervous before you get on stage, you're mm-hmm. doing something wrong. Some butterflies. Yeah, you have to have butterflies. That's why we do it. It's an ecstasy. It's a drug. It's an addiction. Mm-hmm. But in general, why female, why is there less female comics? I feel like generationally we were told that women don't need to be funny. Mm-hmm. It's a man weapon. A man are strong and funny, and this is how they win women with humor, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like we're not taught to be funny, or that it's even appropriate to be funny. Like women, we don't want to be funny with, with a guy, right? We want mm-hmm. a guy to be funny. So I think that's why a lot of women um, struggle with that, and it takes time to overcome that 
I would say barrier, like a blockage, that it's mm-hmm. okay to be funny for a woman. When you were growing up, and it, tell me if it is still the same, it, for a pictures when you were a kid, did you have to not smile? Oh, not smile. Zero. Is it, yeah. Was it the same here in America? No, no, no. In America, Good. we always smile. smile. In Russia, yeah. yeah. Is it yeah. Here, I remember I came to do my first picture for, I think it was for application for green card, and photographer told me to smile. I'm like, what? Yeah. In Russian, never. They like, think you're crazy if you smile. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. You cannot even smile on streets. Like, <laughs> <laughs> My friend from the Ukraine said that one thing that she, she said the reason she stayed here is because she went to a Target and she's like, okay, I'm staying in America. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good story. I know. Literally, it was Target. But she said that she hates the, the fakeness of people saying, have a nice day. And I say, it's just a pleasantry. She's like, they don't really... I said, well, they're not going to follow you around all day going, are you having a nice day? Are you having? <laughs> it's just a pleasantry instead of saying, transaction over, get out. Yeah. Now, did you, were you kind of, did that kind of uh, put you aside and people and sounds like, hey, have a great day? At the beginning, yes, maybe it's like throws you off. I'm like, are they really sincere? Do they mean it? But in fact, I don't think it really matters if they mean mm-hmm. it or not, because once you put those nice words in the universe, it just right. lights up the room, you right. know? And it's just when you put nice words out there, something good happens. So, right. yes. Especially in California, right? Yeah, anywhere but California. Yes. <laughs> so now, where you are in Russia, do you have? can people tell from your regional accent where you are from? And other places, like maybe from St. Petersburg or in Siberia? Yeah, people, Russian people, I think I lost it, but in my city in Voronezh, we have this small g. Like we have this, it's more closer to Ukrainian g. So mm-hmm. like if I speak in Russian... Uh, people would understand that I'm from Voronezh, probably, like oh. as a Russian people. It's more of a g- like Gozvedank. Yeah, it's, it's kind <laughs> of like it's, people even make fun of it. It's like a village accent, you know. <laughs> people in Moscow are very, like, you know, stuck up and they're like, oh, uh, you know, like if you move to Moscow, you have to clean yourself, like clean your voice. Oh, uh, yeah. I see. Well, everybody, make sure to check out Anya Zova, the tour, Make Laughs, Not War. She's going to be here at Comps Comedy Club tonight at 8 o'clock. You're a fascinating person. You're so friendly. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Rick. It's been a true pleasure. You're wonderful. You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Stay tuned for more. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Thank you for that, Rick Tittle with you. Nationally syndicated around the world on American Forces Radio Network. Comedian Ben Palmer joins us now. If you are up in the Rose City, make sure to get over to uh, Helium tonight at 8 o'clock to uh, check him out. And um, Ben, welcome to the show. Of course, Palmer trolls 
featuring you um, trolling the uh, the world of uh, cities and corporations and bureaucracies. And uh, when when did this all get off the ground? You decided to kind of be a humorous antagonist, so to speak. Uh, good question, and thanks for having me on. Um, I, I think about seven or eight years ago, maybe. Uh, I've been doing regular stand-up comedy for uh, almost 14 years now, and so <clears throat> somewhere along the way I started messing with people on Facebook and pretending to be corporations and stuff like that. And a lot of people, they don't realize satire or they just can't take a joke, and uh, what what would be maybe some of the more vehement or threatening responses you got? <laughs> Uh, no threats yet. You know, I have been sent, um, you know, there was a company that sent their lawyers after me, um, but uh, they didn't realize that, you know, it was all uh, a joke. Um, no, nothing too crazy. Um, so that's good. So far, so far. So like when you pretended to be like the city of Atlanta and you would use their trademark and it was obviously fake when you'd say if you don't know the speed limit feel it out or you know just things like that (laughs) did but that's the other thing i mean i you might know him too but there's a comedian out there that pretends to be a a trumper he's not but there are a lot of trumpers who think he's real so uh in the orson wells war of the world's trans uh tradition how many people think you're serious i think most of if you've ever watched any of my videos um all those people think i'm serious um, yeah, if they figure it out, I usually don't share it with anybody. So all the stuff that I've shared online, yeah, they all, they all think it's, uh, they're legitimately talking to someone from, you know, Costco or something like that. Um, you know, um, every now and then you get people who figure it out, but for the most part, I think people are too, they're too pissed off to use their, the logical side of their brain to, to do any investigation on whether or not the, the <laughs> profile responding to them is uh, actually someone with Costco. And then you do it all very deadpan. Is that sort of a, a nod towards the anchor man? <laughs> uh, that's funny you say that. Yeah, I mean I guess I guess in ways it is. When I first started trying to do videos, I tried to do a little anchor man bit called like social media news tonight. Um so that's funny that you bring that up. Um yeah, maybe there's some Anchorman in there. You talking about Anchorman the movie or Anchorman in general? <laughs> uh, yeah, not Ron Burgundy, just in general. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh the deadpan probably comes from, you know, my dad. He's a teacher, but he's always cracking jokes and saying stuff to his students and uh and the people at restaurants and stuff like that and keeping a straight face. So who would be maybe on the friendly side, somebody who realized it was tongue-in-cheek and, and sort of played off you and you went back and forth? Mm. Mm, let's see. I don't know. I do know that I don't think there hasn't been anything similar to what you described, but there has been some people who thought it was funny. Um, I sent a, a fake Jeff Bezos meme I made to his space company, Blue Origin. Um, and it said, uh, if they try to take my billions, I'll just, I'll just ship them to space. There's no taxes in space. <laughs> and, um, and they wrote back, like the, the PR person for Blue Origin wrote back with like a capital LOL. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right. People, and you know, I never know, I've sent some ridiculous stuff to like PR people and, you know, there's always the social media managers that will see my comments that I leave on their Facebook page. You never know who's actually enjoying it behind the scenes, but I suspect some of them are. <laughs> you know, I always wonder, too, like in, in the world of sports a couple of years ago, 
out here there was a Twitter war between Smash Mouth, the band, and the Oakland A's, and you could just tell, I think it was probably a 20-year-old running the A's Twitter account because Smash Mouth said, you know, the, you know, it's too bad that this great franchise is being run by idiots and no one's trying. And then the A's official Twitter said, well, yeah, you haven't had a hit in 20 years, so what do you <laughs> You know, so, I mean, do you kind of sometimes wonder who the hell is running these accounts? I wanted to join in on that, the way you described it. You know, they could have said something about, well, yeah, it's not like we are we had a, a movie made about our organization. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, mean, you mean the movie they made about us because we're a solid organization? Something about the, you know, Smash Mouth, mouth one hit, you know, and then compare it to, like, the worst player on the A's or something and say even he has more hits than you or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty uh, good, yeah. <laughs> I know that yeah, it gets a little snippy out there. I know I know um you know Wendy's hires has like a team of writers that are like almost comedy writers that write, you know, mean tweets to the people who ask them to roast them and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's getting more uh entertainment is uh is getting more in there and the social media responses for corporations and stuff like that. Was there, even though you're a professional comedian, did anybody ever get you and say, wow, I don't think I can top that. I think you got me. Uh, um, what do you mean, like someone just, else? Just when you, when you go back and forth with these people sometimes. Oh. They, the only time I'm like, I, I'm not going to keep going is if it just gets too weird or something, you yeah. know. A lot of people I talk to can be... Um, some people are a little out there. You know, if I detect, okay, I might be dealing with someone who's not completely sane, I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you know, it's like, it only works if, you know, I'm talking to someone who knows what, I don't, I don't know. But not really. Long story short, I don't think so. I always win. And if I don't win, you won't hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Just as an aside, in I've only blocked one person on Twitter. You can say whatever you want about me and how dumb I am. I don't care. But the only person I ever blocked is we were getting into it a little bit. And, and then he started talking about the ovens at Auschwitz. And I'm like, okay. Uh, right. we're, we're, I, think, I think we're done here. Um, now, right. pol- <laughs> politically. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's, you're just one of those. People and yeah. I don't really want to keep talking to you. It's not even fun anymore, you know. It's yeah, like, okay. You you've just taken any sort of fun out of it, and you can right. have a lot of fun as you do with the the anti vaxxers I saw the one the Rob Burlap, and you you he <laughs> said I was hungry, and then I ate some food. It was crazy. I mean, it. Uh, I guess people they be offended when you're using their picture because everyone buys into it, right? Um. You mean when I use their picture? What, what, As what if tweeting. Well, it's like, you know, before I got on Twitter, somebody somebody had a parody account of me, and I thought, why don't you pick somebody bigger uh, than me? But people saw my face on it, so they just assumed it was me. Oh, damn. You've been a victim. Now, anytime I I um, screenshot a conversation I had with somebody when they're thinking I'm the, the company, I always take their pictures out of it and their last names just to oh, okay. protect protect them from being... Harass. I never want to be like, oh, it all started here. That's where I started receiving death threats. <laughs> so I, yeah, I protect their little identities and shit. And the only time I don't is if it's a major, you know, a public figure like Jeff Bezos. But, you know, um, 
if you need me to go to go out there and handle some of your commenters, you know, just let me know. I can get on there with your blessing. <laughs> my own, I'll call my own Rick profile, and I can just throw <laughs> some people for you. Yeah, be careful out there. I got Ben Palmer on my side now. I'll sick him on you. But <laughs> check out his stand-up comedy. Go to heliumcomedy.com. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, 8 o'clock tonight up there in PDX. I don't know what the X is for, but it is Portland, Oregon. And uh, as I mentioned, Ben Palmer, Palmer Trolls. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. If you're ever in San Francisco, come on by the studio. Oh, man, absolutely. And I'll definitely be back in San Francisco. And uh, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure talking to you. This has been the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8Side Network. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.